Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. When you open the crispy chicken sandwich bag, the steam that comes out is the best surprise. The crumbs at the bottom of the bag are your last chance to say goodbye to the sandwich you can't believe is gone. Every friend group has that friend who's first to order the new sandwich, then lets everyone else try a bite. McDonald's is the best destination for a great-tasting chicken sandwich. Mobile order and pay at participating McDonald's. Download and registration required. I'm going to make sure I give you some love on, on, on our show tonight. Uh, behind the mask. Yep. So I did a podcast today uh-huh. with uh, one of my really good friends, Akil Spikes, who went to Auburn, and yeah. Tutan Reyes. It's called Behind the Mask. So I want to get those two guys, Akil Spikes and Tutan Reyes, Behind the Mask. They got that podcast. I shout out to my Auburn brother, Akil Spikes. Behind the Mask. Man, welcome back, bro. We back in this BTM lounge, homie. Indeed, indeed. Great day. Another day in paradise. Another day in paradise, indeed. But, you know, I would love to chop it up with you because I got some stuff to chop it up about the last episode. Mm -hmm. We'll get into that. But we got a very special guest today. (laughs) Member of the NBA 75th anniversary team. Facts. Hall of Famer. And if you don't know what the 75th NBA anniversary team is. He's just one of the greatest 75 players to ever play the game. Mm. Last but not least, I got to say this, because he hails from the school in the plains of Auburn University. He is the third best player to come out of Auburn behind me. Chuck Barkley, welcome to the lab. What up, man? Thank y'all for having me. Hey, listen, man. The Auburn thing, you know, is real. <laughs> you know, I tell people this, and it's so funny when you know, people are like, man, what's up with you Auburn people? I said, man, you, I can't even explain it to you. It's like you're part of a family for life. Indeed. And I says, people, I says, some pe- people like their school, but I said, no, I says, Auburn is different. Yeah. Like, we love the, the love we have for each other. Every time we go back there, you're like everybody. Like it's like a family reunion, okay. and uh, I, 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 every, I look forward to it. I try to go to three or four football games a year, four or five basketball games a year, and like I say, I look forward to it every single time. Cause you see all these old people you've been seeing for years, and it's just a special place, my brother. You and know they, that they family. You yeah. see people. When I was 18 years old. I went back now. My daughter's at school at Auburn now. I went to the basketball game, and I saw the same man who supported us when I was 18. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It yeah. ain't nothing changed. You no. ain't got no security. No. Nope. Like, you, you, like, that's family, so you talk to them as so. Yeah. But you probably wouldn't know nothing about that. You, you going to that other that. school in Mississippi. Listen, man. The I'm, state of Mississippi. I, t- I will give y'all credit. You know what I'm saying? When me and my son, me and Ty came down to Auburn a couple years ago, y'all showed love. The tailgating was amazing. Y'all got the victory. Auburn football did beat Ole Miss, but you know there's another game October 15th this year, so we're gonna have to run that. Man, back. we don't even take y'all serious. <laughs> y'all like, <laughs> hey, y'all, y'all, uh, Mississippi State. We beat y'all last year though. Yeah, that's why we. That's why we making changes. changes. We yeah, made cha- that's what you make uh, changes. Missouri. 
right. Y'all them schools at uh, uh, Arkansas, we just brought y'all in to get W's. Damn, yo. That's I mean, messed up. Y'all have a good year every now and then. We like so. So that means we're going to bet then. Yeah, we definitely going to bet. I, I ain't betting no money because you got me, but I'm just yeah. saying we're going to bet something. Oh, yeah. Bet, hey, a nice dinner. Dinner and you got to rock a tight old Miss Jersey on your podcast. You know, hey, I'll tell you what. I no, bet. no, you're hey, not doing that. So hey, let me tell you what he did, Chuck. Betted him two years ago, took him down to the Plains. Actually, I think, Chuck, you he was, was there. there. Yeah. He was, he was, yeah. And he still hasn't worn the jersey that we Are after we booked. He never give it to me though. But but you said something very interesting, and I've heard this from random strangers. No, seriously, you were treated great, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. See, that's the thing. I've had people say, "Man, you're not gonna believe how great I was treated at Auburn." I yeah. said, "You're gonna get treated great at Auburn all the time." Because I've got friends. Who went to Alabama? They're like, yo, man, those people are rude. They've been to Baton Rouge. They're like, man, those people are crazy yeah, down. They've been over to Athens. I said, yo, man, you gonna always get treated great at Auburn. Most definitely. They, we love our school, but we're not gonna go. We're not gonna mistreat any fans. Nah, I promise was, you that. It was all love. Most definitely. Yeah. Can't wait to come back. But you know, Ole Miss gonna get y'all this year. You know what I mean? But uh, let's get into this thing, Spice. You know what I mean? So Chuck, glad to have you. Um, we have a segment on the Behind the Mask podcast called This or That where we yes. give you one or the other two different uh, scenarios and you just got to pick one okay. put you under pressure uh, um, but obviously being in the NBA we have this conversation in barbershops on every sports channel damn near weekly um, we talk about this GOAT situation and it yeah. comes down to two people I ain't even got to tell you who it is but well you know I think that's a little unfair because I think the guy who gets left out of the GOAT conversation is Kareem Facts. and I, I don't like the GOAT conversation because I think you got two generations. Mm -hmm. Listen, Michael's the best I've ever seen. No disrespect to Kobe or LeBron. They both amazing. But I would I played against Michael a lot. We came into the NBA together. So I played against him. I was in the NBA for 16 years. I think he played 12 or 13, mm -hmm. uh, retired early and blah, blah, blah. But when I watched that last dance thing, I was like, damn. This is a real because they were killing that dude. Yeah, I mean they were beating the hell out of him, and they've changed the rules. And Takeo can actually tell you this: like, I know he would rather be playing football today. <laughs> I mean, because and 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 that's not me us being old guys and remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yo, it's just easier to play. Mm -hmm. I mean. I, I, hey, listen, I used to tell people, when you play them Pistons, them bad boys, yeah. you used to call you, hey, listen, if I never see y'all again, I love y'all. <laughs> you had to call your family before the game. Because those boys were really trying to hurt people. Yeah, yeah. And then you saw in the playoffs, like, you, when I watched that last dance thing, I was like, some of those fouls they were doing, you would get suspended yeah. multiple games today if you hit people like that. And those were just like common fouls. Yeah. Like now they got flagrant, flagrant two. But like back in the day, it was like, oh, just give them two free throws. Mm -hmm. And if you and the Pistons had so many big bodies, they had Lambeer, Mahorn, Mahorn, Sally, Sally Rodman, Rodman mm -hmm. James Edwards. So they were using all six of their fouls. Mm -hmm. And but man, that's the one thing I admire about Michael. He just kept getting bigger and stronger. And like, no. Nah. Uh, and I and I played with some guys who like, no, nah, I'm not going in there. And that's the one reason I always admired Michael. He's like, no, we going in there, brother. And he kept coming until he got stronger, got bigger, stronger, and he knocked that wall down. Yeah. Shit, you did your thing too, man. You wasn't, yeah. you know what I mean? No slouch out there. Oh, the only time I was slouched that one day I played football. 
Uh, you know, I play. I how did, how did it, work out out it didn't work out for me. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, my coach in high school taught me into playing football, and I was like, okay, I'll try this. And I went out there for one day, and I was like, wow, this is crazy. Mm. And I was like, no, this ain't, this, no, this is crazy. I just ran into a dude. I was on the defensive line, and, and those, you know, those like the real, the offensive line and defensive line like real football yeah. players. Right. Like you getting hit every single every play. play. Yeah. And I remember last, I, I was in the locker room, I had my head down, I was totally exhausted, my head was hurting, my everything about it. Coach, I'll see y'all tomorrow. I'm like, wait, 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 we're not practicing, we're not doing this tomorrow. <laughs> I'm not doing this shit tomorrow. <laughs> no, no, no. And he says, we got practice tomorrow. I said, yeah, coach, yeah. Uh, I said, here's my uniform. I'm not doing this tomorrow. This is just stupid. I'm like, I just ran into a dude for like two hours and I'm hurting and you said we got to do the same thing tomorrow. I was like, and my friend used to make fun of me. He's like, yo man, you play football one day. I says, yeah. I knew it was crazy 20, 40 years ago. You, They just found it out now you're getting beat up and got all this stuff going on. I said, nah man, this is not for me. <laughs> one day, one day, one day. I had to. I, it didn't take me many times to learn that one day was enough for me. That's a smart man. Did you did you even get through the, the drill, Oklahoma? Did y'all do Oklahoma? We did to Oklahoma. I don't even think they called it Oklahoma back then. Because uh, like uh, I, I I forget the name they call it, but that's just Mano Mano. Uh, and I, but like I say, like it wasn't because you know. Uh, I'm not just saying this because I'm on your, on your podcast. My two favorite sports are football and boxing. Yep. Because I know what it takes. It ain't like basketball. It ain't like tennis. It ain't like golf. Like, to be a great football player or boxer, like, you literally got to, like, yeah, I'm willing to risk my body. Yeah. I'm really, really. Risk it all. Yes. Mm-hmm. And to do it every day on a high level I mean, because yeah, everybody play in high school, but then you go to college and go to the NFL. You're like, yeah, these real men out here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I got to watch this. So I'm, you know, so I'm addicted to football and boxing, and because I'm like, man, these some real dudes out here. Yeah. That's like real. I mean, you, anybody can run and jump and make a layup and shoot a jump shot, but when people are hitting you in your face and or they're trying to block you and stuff, I'm like. Yeah, I like this because I, even though I didn't have the courage to play, I could admire it. Yeah, yeah. I, I I could see that. I could see that. So you pretty much gave the white glove service to your coach and just told him, "Look, man, you can have this uniform, this helmet, because I'm finna go over here yeah. and pick up this uh this basketball." Well, well, he did come back to me later. He says, "I probably should have put you in a different position." What position? <laughs> he had you at D line. He had me at D line where you get hit every play. You supposed to do the hit in that D line though. Well, first of all, you don't know the snap count, so you, they, so they have a they have a, an advantage on you. You, you reacted. You, you yeah, the ball. yeah you have to you it. have to react to getting hit. Okay. And so it's kind of like you know when you I watched I watch a lot of football and the guy said, well on a on a snowy day and a wet day the the, the wide receiver always has an advantage. He knows where he's going. Right. So the defensive line, no matter how I mean, you, you are at a slight. Disadvantage because you don't know the snap count. So a guy getting a split second head start coming at your head is a big advantage. Huge. Yeah. And we still dominate y'all plus size model. Get out of here, man. Whatever, man. 
I whooped y'all in college. But anyway, go ahead, man. Back to the show, man. We ain't going. It ain't about us. We got Chuck here. Yeah, uh, you right. You right. <laughs> you do it all without breaking a sweat, like being a boss exec to the kids' homework, and you do it all in style. That's why we created the all-new Infinity QX60, a luxury SUV as functional as it is stylish and as versatile as it is serene, with premium features like a panoramic moonroof and available massaging front seats to bring ease all day, every day. The all-new Infinity QX60, designed to take on life in style. Learn more at infinityusa.com. Now with extremely limited availability, contact your local retailer for inventory information. <laughs> All right, Chuck. This or that. So, what would you prefer during your off time? A trip to Vegas, comped the whole entire weekend, or a weekend with the boys at the Masters? Wow. Damn, brother, you make give me some hard choices, but I'm probably gonna go with Vegas. <laughs> Cause you know I'm a gambling degenerate. I mean, I <laughs> I love to gamble. I love to gamble. I mean, I mean it's fun, it's exciting. It sucks when you lose, but I love to gamble. When I I remember, so when I got drafted by the 76ers, we we're about an hour from. Uh, Atlantic yes. Atlantic City. Yep. So people, it's, it's so funny. Like people say, well, what do y'all do on off days? I said, like, well, we practice from like 10 to 12. And I'm like, what do you do for the rest of the day? Whatever you want to. I'm like, it ain't like football. Y'all got all these bees and y'all there all day, yeah. which I still haven't figured out what the hell y'all doing which there all day. Which is babysitting, <laughs> yeah, overkill. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So the guys were like, we drive down Atlantic City and gamble all day and drive back. Like I say, if you don't have a game, uh, you're, you like I say, you'll practice that next day. And practice is like, and first of all, you're there for, once the season starts, you don't practice two hours. You're there for a couple hours because you don't, don't want to kill your legs. But you go there and shoot around and scrimmage maybe a little bit sometime. But then you're off for the rest of the day. So we jump on that road and go down to Atlantic City and you start gambling, you're playing $10 and $20 a hand. And the next thing you know, you're like, you're playing $50 a hand. And then you're like, next thing you know, you're playing $1,000 a hand, like over six months to a year. And, and then it just keeps going. But it was always fun. And then we would go to New Jersey and uh, they had a great horse track over there, Garden State. And we would, we didn't know shit about horse racing. But we went over, a bunch of guys on Monday night, we'd all pool our money together, and we bet on the long shot every race. That's like stupid <laughs> we were. Yeah, like, Did you ever hit though? We hit, we hit, all you gotta do is hit one for the night, and it'll pay for everything. Mm. But we didn't, we like, well why would we bet even money or two oh, to one. That's it. Yeah, like, like, that's how stupid we were. Like, wait a minute. If we bet two to one, that ain't going to make it. You, you, let's bet on this horse the 65 to one. And then, like I say, once every two weeks, you'd hit one race, and you're good for the draft. <laughs> but, like, the rest of the time, you lost. But we didn't know shit about horse racing because, like, we from all over the world, all over the country, excuse me, and we, like, 
but it was they made they they it was a good little thing. They had great food. We just hang out on Monday night. We put a couple hundred dollars together, and like just go for it. But it was it was great team bonding and things like that. Oh no mm-hmm. doubt, no doubt. I, I keep thinking about you talking about playing the physical game in high school, and you was like, you know what, this ain't for me. But I really think about modern day. Like, bro, you played in the most physical era, mm-hmm. in my opinion, mm-hmm. when it comes to basketball. Yeah. Like, hard fouls and everything. Do you think you could play in this era now in the game of, that's a uh, flagrant one, flagrant yeah. two? Yeah. I, I, first of all, it would be easier, especially a guy who's going to have the ball all the time like myself. Like, <laughs> guys can't, they can't hand check me. They can't hit me hard. Like, I'm going to shoot an extra probably 10 free throws a game. Mm. I mean, because like if you make – anytime you make a move, a normal reaction is the guys to touch you or, or get in your way. So you're going to get so many free throws. Like you see some of these guys are averaging 10 to 15 free throws yeah. a game. If you're a great offensive player, especially if you got speed or quickness and power and you got the ball, you're going to get fouled a lot. So it's it's a lot easier, and, and we got some great great players today. You know, every time you criticize them, you get they're like you're just a bitter old man, which is not even close to being true. But I'm smart enough to know, like, yeah, it's just easier to play today. Mm-hmm. It's like you know when I watch the NFL, like every record is gonna, you know, <laughs> one of my friends is Emmett Smith, and we were joking around in Lake Tahoe last summer. He's probably got a record in football that's never going to be broken. Mm-hmm. For the simple fact, we're never going to have a running back carry the ball that much. Facts. Ever. Facts. Ever. Because everybody going to two running backs. Everybody's going to-, going to two running backs, so nobody's ever going to carry the ball that much or get that many touches because they don't want to pay them, number one. But also, they're going to throw the ball so much. Mm-hmm. Like, every passing record is going to go from – Tom to Drew to Aaron and Patrick, by the time they finish, they're going to have all the records, and then most of the guys are going to keep breaking them. Because mm-hmm. I don't think we're ever going to go back to ground and pound anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, when those boys had the Hogs in uh, D.C. DC. Mm-hmm. with John Riggins and those guys, and, you know, uh, Emmett had his, his great offensive mm-hmm. line. But that's just, like I say, the game has changed. And it's different now. I'm I'm curious because six six. Let's say yes. We, I'll allow a little bit. <laughs> six five. Six five ish. Yeah. What what uh what position would you play today though? Because now the six five players are, are guards. Yeah. I I I don't think um I think I'd still be a, a, a forward. Mm. Uh, but I would have to learn to shoot the ball better. Because mm. but. I think a lot of times these guys, you got to do what you do best. Mm. Uh, like, I'm a post-up player. I, I realize I can't post up every time. But I got to learn to shoot the ball better if I play today. I think that's important. That's significant. You have to uh, – the game. you have to change with, with the game or the game going to leave you behind. They're not going to walk the ball up and down the court and give it to me uh, – 30, 40 times a game like we did in my day. But like I say, I'm going to become a better shooter. Uh, but there is a place uh, 
for me to depending on who who's guarding me. Mm. I mean, that's that's what's really important. I mean, I'm gonna make them guard me too. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's the key. And they ain't gonna be able to do that. Nah. No, because I was fast enough and quick enough that I could play out on the floor. Uh, so, so, and, and that to me would be the key. Like uh, big plotting, plotting guys. I don't know if they would have a tough time today. Yeah. When you look at overall, like the game has changed, and you know, from a fan perspective, we love it because we see more run and gun. Yeah. You seeing big man who typically I think of. Patrick Ewing, Rick Smiths, all of those guys used to post up Matumbo. Now you're getting seven footers, yeah. damn, they're coming out shooting jumpers all the time. Yeah, and, and, and I'm not sure that's a great thing uh, because you take your advantage away. See, it, it sounds simple. Being tall is always a good thing. But if you're going to stand out there and shoot threes, you're taking your advantage away. Uh, you know, you look at one thing about Giannis. He, he gets a little carried away at times shooting threes instead of just going to the basket or posting up down low. Like, every time he shoots a three, the defense like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. But, you, you know, so, so you have to do what you do best. And if you're a big guy, like Carl Anthony Town is a terrific player, but he falls in love with the jump shot. And, like, dude, they got a six, six guy on you. Every time you shoot a three, he's like, thank you for not posting me up. Yep. But I watched the game the other night. Somebody must have said something to him because me and Shaq were very critical. Like, yeah, man, they got a little dude on you going to post. And actually, it's so funny you said that because Joel Embiid been angry at me and Shaq for the last few years. Yes, he has. And we're like, yeah, man, why you got your big ass out there shooting threes? You're the best big man in the game. They cannot guard you in the post. And you notice... Ever since he started going down the post, he's been like, probably he probably would have won the MVP last year uh, if he didn't get hurt. But he's probably going to win the MVP this year because, dude, you're the best big man in the game. You out there shooting threes really helps the defense. It doesn't help you or your team. And now he's got his butt in the post, and the rest is history. Yeah. You look at some of the – the, the, the high flyer players or the physical players that did the dunks back, you know, even when you play. So yeah. I think of you, I think of Sean Kemp, mm-hmm. um, and then moving on now, uh, Blake Griffin, mm-hmm. on to the new guys that shoot. Yeah. But even you later in your career, Kemp later in his career, all you guys had to really develop that, that jump shot, that perimeter jump shot to kind of keep up with the the Ewans and the Carl Malone's guys that right. had it yeah, coming well, into the game. Well, you have to do that because your ass can't jump anymore. Uh, you know, <laughs> you, 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 when you, you know, when, when you start losing your talent, uh, you have to adapt. Okay. Like, in, 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 in the beginning, you cannot run everybody out, jump everybody, get in a spot on the floor that you want to. But as you get older, you can't do that. Mm. And you have to develop other parts of your game. And while that's important, that keeps you hanging. Like, you, if you use your brain, you probably can hang around another two or three years. Yeah. Because them boys you're playing with, they're dominant rocks. Mm. You know, they, 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 rocks. Yeah, they're dominant rocks. <laughs> you know, because you know, they, they come in, because nobody knows how to play in the NBA at 18, right. 19 years old. They don't understand strategy. That nothing. Mm. No, they, they played their whole life on Pick talent. Mm. Yep, mm. they just played their whole career on talent. I mean, because 
you're not getting probably great coaching in high school mm-hmm. and you're getting good coaching in college, but you're not you're better than ninety nine percent of the players. Mm-hmm. So but then when you get to the NBA, you ain't better nobody. Yeah. So then you can survive on talent, but at some point in your career, because you can't be a great player unless you learn how to play. Because right, right. you can't, like I say, any kid who think he going to come to the NBA right now says, I'm going to outrun LeBron or Giannis mm-hmm. uh, or Devin Booker uh, or Jimmy Butler or Trey Young. Like, I'm going to just out-talent those guys. They're just nuts. Yeah. You got to learn how to play. So as you get older, well, you you shouldn't wait till you get older, to be honest. You should do it early in your career, and that's going to take you to the next level as a player. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, know, and and, and, and you you guys are the same. Like, you got to to get – talent gets you to the NFL. Talent gets you there. But then you got to learn how to play. Like – you got to pay attention in those meetings and things like that. Mm-hmm. That's what I tell the young guys. No, you know, talent going to get you to the NBA. But it's going to be, number one, you're not going to be talented than most of the guys. But also, there's another dude coming next year. If you if you don't learn the intricacies of your, your sport, you won't be around long. Yeah. What player in today's game that reminds you of your, your game? Is it anybody close to that? Not really, because it's changed so much. Because like they ain't got no, these guys all are much better shooters than me. That doesn't mean they're better players; they're better shooters. Because if you can't really shoot threes today, you're at a disadvantage. Mm. Uh, you're at a serious disadvantage. You know, you talked about a little bit earlier about Patrick Ewing and guys like that who were Carl uh, Malone, myself, Shaq, Akeem, Akeem. Well, we're all uh, post-up players. Mm. But there's not many post-up players out there today. So the dilemma is going to be when you do get a big guy who can be a great player, what do you do with him? And that and that and that's going to come that's going to come up more often cuz like there's always going to be big guys coming, but they going to have to adapt because you look at a guy like who uh, when we're taping this, Rudy Gobert really struggled last night because mm-hmm. Jason Kidd put five little guys out there and they set a record for 17 uncontested threes because what they were doing was, first of all, uh, Utah was playing awful defense, but they, that's the way they play normally. They funnel everything to Rudy who blocks it. That's why he's been like three-time defensive player of the year, at least the league in block shots. But what Jason did last night, Jason Kidd was, he says, no, no, no. I'm not going to put a big guy out there. So every time they drove toward Rudy, he came to block the shot. and He kicked it over to the guy. And like I say, they shot, they set an NBA record for 17 wide open threes. Mm -hmm. And they made them and upset the Jazz last night. Mm -hmm. You know what's funny, man? You you talked about how you are watching a game, looking at it from a different perspective, and you have your eye on the NBA today being a former player. We do mm-hmm. the same thing in broadcasting, yeah. right? The whole, to us, the whole, like, model of the NBA now is is superstars pairing up or stars yeah. pairing up. It wasn't necessarily as much prevalent when you guys played. No, you know what I mean? Pro, nobody would do it in my day. That's what you mean. Right, but if you had an opportunity to do that, 
who would be in your big three of the time that you played in the NBA? That's a really good question. Uh, number one, we hate that. Let's get that out of <laughs> the way. The old heads, we hate that. Uh-huh. No, no, first and foremost, we really hate it. Uh, listen, uh, me and Michael were really close. Uh, he would be fun to play with, obviously. Uh, and I probably if I got to find me a big guy like probably David Robinson. Yeah, uh, who's People a good on him, yeah, man. who's yeah, a good friend. Yeah. Um, but I look at a guy like the best player I ever played against is Kevin McHale. I mean, he was just a monster. No slight to Larry Bird, who was great himself, but for me, guarding Kevin was a handful. What what made him such a handful? Well, not when he was like seven feet tall, but his feet, his footwork was ridiculous. Mm. I mean, he he developed that up and under. Like you, and then you think he's going up and under, and then he shoots a fadeaway. You know, we always talk about like guys think way too much. I like young guys ask me, well, how many moves do I need? I says. Well, it depends on where you're at on the floor. And I said, I said you need two moves, a move and a counter. Mm. Depending on where you're at, uh, you're on the left box, right box, which I did all my damage there. I said, I have to have two moves uh, because the other team's going to start watching tape and say, oh, we got to take this away. Because mm-hmm. like they, they got a coach, they got a, a, a tape guy. I'm like, yeah, we got, we're not going to let that beat us. So, but, okay have a move and a counter, have a move and a counter. A lot of these guys like, I got a lot in my bag. I'm like, yeah, man, you don't need all that shit in your bag. Stop it. Stop that. You don't need all that. Because only 30% works. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> no, I said, you, you, you're you not that good to have five things in your bag. Let's just do it. Like, you just do two things in your bag. Let's leave it at that, and we're good. Oh, weak-ass bag. Yeah, yeah, like. I got a lot in my bag. Well, you just got too much. Yeah, 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 Santa yeah. Claus, you yeah, fake. Yeah, 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 Ain't nobody yeah, dropping yeah. off no presents in that yeah, bag. Yeah, 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 man. You don't need it. It's, hey, put, hey, put your bag away. <laughs> work, and work on, work on a couple moves. That's all you need. A move and a counter. And like I say, that's what Kevin was great at. He had that that up, and he can he, he and he is like if you stop the up, he gonna fade away, and if you don't, if you try to stop it, he gonna go under, and that's what made him special. You, you you talk about bags. I want to talk about the bag that you brought over here. Redmond Vodka. Mm-hmm. You know what? what I'm saying? So like, let every everybody needs to know now because I'm not in particular a vodka drinker. Well, you know, and I appreciate what you really brought to the table, and I'm not just saying this, yeah. this is real talk. Well, so I figured out um, my goal. I've been trying to give a million dollars a year away to charity. Mm-hmm. So I started out with my high school, then I went to Auburn, then I went to uh, Wounded Warriors. In the last five years, I gave a million dollars to five historically black colleges. So Morehouse and Clark here in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and in Alabama, Miles, uh, Alabama A&M and Tuskegee. So my people told me, so like, cause you know, I'm wrestling with the uh, retirement thing because mm. I don't want to work to the day I die. That's just not going to be me. I want to play golf and fish. I ain't even going to lie. I'm with you. Hey, I'm hey, with hey, you. I want to play golf and fish. 
So a few years ago, this Redmont uh, and Vulcan Gen, they're from Birmingham. Mm. And I said, I had been looking for a business in Alabama for probably 20 years. Because I grew up in a small town, Leeds, right outside of Birmingham. But I wanted to own a business in Birmingham. And I couldn't find anything. Um, I couldn't find anything. And finally, Redmont came about and Vulcan, and I was like, that's the first idea. I said, let's make sure this shit tastes good. So I got all my boys <laughs> together. And I said, now I want, so I said, we're going to do it this way. We're going to do straight vodka. going to do vodka and water. Vodka crayon. And vodka with some uh, orange juice. Because I wanted to get, like, and this, we have to be honest with each other. Because, you know, uh, I wanted to make sure the product was good. Because right. I, I was going to put a lot of money into the distillery. And we bought it. Uh, my, once I got the seal of approval from my boys, I'm like, okay, I like it, you know. And so Redmond is my thing right now because yeah. I, it's really, I just really want to own a business in Alabama. And so when I bought the company, we took a step back. I said, okay, guys, let's just stay in Alabama for a couple years uh, and let's see what we can do here. And I felt very confident that my Auburn people were going to support me. Yep. And I actually felt pretty good about the Alabama fans want to help a local company, minority-owned. My, uh, my, I got a female CEO. Illinois. Yeah, Illinois Estes. And I says, because I want everybody to know we, we're, we're an Alabama company. We're minority-owned. And Alabama... The Auburn fans and Alabama fans been great, and we've been doing great in Alabama. So a couple of people came to me and said, hey, why don't you expand to Georgia? And I was like, okay, let's think about this for a minute. Because like I say, I'm a patient person. I said, hey, let's don't go overboard because it takes money to go from state to state. And now, to be honest with you guys, we're in about 18 states. Mm. And we're doing well, you but I really want this to be successful. So I can keep giving this money because they were like, "Yo, man, you can't be giving your money away if you're gonna be sitting your ass at home, <laughs> fishing and golfing." I said, "Well, we need to probably make this Red Month and Vulcan thing work." So we all put a lot of time in it. I got a great group of people around me. Uh, Eleanor's the CEO. Montel Morden from Birmingham is a, a really uh, one of our guys. Mm -hmm. Our distiller name is Jonathan uh, Gidry. He's the guy who cook all this stuff. We got a beautiful facility in Birmingham. Uh, check it out. Man. Yeah, yeah, come by. Yeah, yeah, yeah we have a lot of barbecues and things and just have people come by and test the product. We got Anthony Pittman, who's over here in Georgia, who does a, a fantastic job. Shout out to Ant. Yeah, so, 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 uh, so the, the guys, and man, we've been working hard. Yeah. But it's an interesting business, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I mean, this a, because the way it works, you have to do something different in every state. Mm -hmm. You kind of do, you, you really got, I have to do an individual deal basically in all 50 states. Yeah. Like you can't just say, hey, let's go to here, let's go here. They're like, no, nah, you have to get, first of all, you have to get permission to come in. Mm -hmm. But it's been a very, but I'm, I'm really happy with the product. I tell people, uh, you know, we're just, uh, first of all, and I, it's just still eight times, which 
supposed to make it cleaner and better. And then there's some shit called non-GMO. I have zero fucking idea what that means. <laughs> Not genetic, uh, genetic yeah, yeah. modified. Yeah, it is gluten-free. And I'm just sitting here like, yo, man, does the shit taste good? <laughs> like, so like, it does, though. Yeah, it does. I'm on yeah, it. I I'm just laughing my ass off. I'm like, yeah, man, it's non-GMO. I said, yo, man, okay, 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 that's good. Oh, it's gluten free. I'm like, yeah, man. I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> you know, I like half of these women walking around yeah, here with yeah, the GMO yeah. butt. The GMO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man. How does it taste? Let's make sure it tastes good. And uh, so it's been going well, man. I appreciate the love. And y'all in the um, 2022 World Games too. Well, so this is really. I'm excited for Birmingham for that. That's I'm, huge, that's major, yeah. Because, man, we finally got a mayor. Mayor Woodfin, Randall Woodfin. He's a young guy from Morehouse who's really trying to help the city of Birmingham. Mm. Because one of the reasons I want, wanted to open up a business in Alabama, especially Birmingham, Birmingham is a really important civil rights yeah, historical. historical. You know, you go back, you know, everybody talks about uh, the Selma mm -hmm. a massacre. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody talks about the Montgomery bus boycott. But Birmingham, to me, you go back to the church bombing. Mm. You know, we've got an amazing civil rights institute there. And our, our mayors have neglected Birmingham for a long period of time. Birmingham has had a black mayor since the 80s. Mm -hmm. Since the 80s. A lot of people don't know that. And, and a lot of people, nobody knows that, actually. Yeah. We've had a black mayor since the 80s. And... I mean, no disrespect, and as my boy Jim Rome says, anytime you say, I mean, no disrespect, you, you know what's coming the, next? You disrespect. disrespect. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I mean, no, I mean, there's coming some disrespect. They have done an awful job for the citizens, for the black citizens of Birmingham. They've done an awful job. Uh, one of the reasons I admire Maynard Jackson uh, here in Atlanta he made a lot of black people successful. Yeah. I've been very disappointed in the black mayors in Birmingham. They've not helped any black people except their close friends be successful. And that's not what success is about. Right. When you're successful, you're supposed to help everybody around you. So we finally have a mayor. Like I say, I, I, I'd met with those other mayors and they were full of shit. And I says, I want to invest some money in Birmingham. I really want to, because this, this is where I'm from. Right. And they did. They were awful. And I met with the new mayor. He just started his second term, Mayor Woodfin. And I said, and he got all these program going for these kids. And I was telling him about me working with this historically black colleges. And I said, yo, man, I'm not trying to make money just for myself. I made enough money. Okay. I won't, when, when, when old geezer kill, kill over, I wanted to keep rolling. I mean, I, I, you know, and I'm not saying this because, man, I have exceeded all my expectations. You know, I, every now and then as I'm getting older, I just turned 59, I sit back and says, because when I go visit my hometown, I, I pass uh, the projects where we lived growing up. Mm -hmm. And because I drive to the house I built my mom and grandmother, but I have to go through the projects, the two places we live. And now for me, uh, just buried my dad, but um, two of my brothers are gone, my mom and dad and my grandmother. So it's me and one brother, and I got four nieces. 
So I'm, I understand that I'm on the back nine. I don't know what hole I'm on, but I'm <laughs> on, on the, the back. Nine. On the, I'm on the back nine, but I have exceeded all my expectations. I mean, I, I can't like every now and then. I like I say, man, what a great life you've had. I mean, you think about it. Growing up, my mom's a maid, and my grandmother works at the meat factory, and. I used to want to just kill her because she brought these chicken feet home. She used to bring these big bag, big bags of chicken feet home. And if you ever eaten chicken feet, that's this is a chicken feet, and it's like one little piece of meat right here. <laughs> it's like one little piece of meat right here, and you eat that, and that's the only part of the chicken feet you can eat. And let me tell you something: there must have been, I'm not even joking. 300 chicken feet. 300 feet? Uh, yeah, but, and you have to eat. God damn. And you have to eat. Listen. You have, 150 chicken. Hey, I'm just, telling, but I'm just telling you something. You have to eat so many just to get full. Because I'm telling you something. If you ever get a chance to somebody to show you a chicken feet, it, it, the, the only piece of meat is a little palm. It's a little, a little puffer piece of meat. And you have to eat like over and over and over just to feel full. Spice laughing because he didn't did it. He didn't did it. <laughs> I mean, man, I mean, you sit that, you sitting there, and you're like, man, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work for that little ass piece of meat. <laughs> like, that's why we go behind the back. Yeah, uh, no, nah, hey, listen, oh, I, hey, when I could, we started getting some money, and I got like the whole chicken. Oh lord, <laughs> life changing, life changing. <laughs> You know, I think about it, and you know, I think about my life, and uh, you, you know, when we were poor, so all the neighborhood, like in our neighborhood, it was a real small town, Lee's, love my hometown, so all the poor people pooled their money, and we would buy like two or three hogs, and then like right at the beginning of summer, we buy three Three, three hogs and then my granddad we drive to Birmingham and go dumpster diving and getting all the slop uh, which is really just rotted food rotted food yeah. and we'd have like three or four hogs and we'd feed them for like four months and then right before winter we'd kill them and you have to shoot them in the head so you don't ruin the meat. And then you hang them up on a tree. And then all the kids in the neighborhood, we scraping this pig, getting all the hair off it for like hours. And then uh, they take it away. And then like two weeks later, all this meat comes back. The it was ribs, a, the hammer. Yeah, it comes back in a plain white package. And I think each each house, each project house, got like probably thirty different types of meat, and that's how we survived. I mean, it was it was it was like you like, and it, it was so weird because you thought it was normal mm. that people just <laughs> kill their pig and hang it up, and y'all take the hot water and scrub it with a dull knife. You don't want to hurt the meat, and that, but. I, I would not change that for a thing because it was, you realize it was, wow, this is how we live, but you didn't think anything about it. But then you sit back and look at it like, 
My God, I because man, I would tell you, like we were so poor. I, I was joking around. My mom, we could only get one pair of sneakers a year when we were playing. So she'd bring them to the game. And the next thing you hear after the game is your crazy mom beating on the door to get the sneakers back because you could only wear them during the game until the season was over. And then once the season was over, they were wrecked. And then you dumping it, jumping in dumpsters and getting, ugh, thinking about it now, my hands are getting wet. You're like, you're grabbing every piece of riding shit in the, in the dumpster and you throw it in there and put some feed in and those pigs are like, it was crazy, man. Wow. See, and that's that's exactly why Tequila knows I don't eat pork. I, you know, I don't eat nothing that start with a P. So, you know, no pecans, no pancakes, no popcorn. Boy, you lucky because I want to say something then. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I dare you to see it. You don't eat nothing again with a P? Nah, nah. Pineapple's nothing. Damn. This guy, he is famished, isn't he? He's a single. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's crazy. That's that's behind the mask right there. The growing up, Kill tells me stuff. He's like, yeah, we just, you know... Got some, they, they would put the traps up and I think get the raccoons and then he would skin the raccoons and so you just told me that story I didn't even know pigs had skin or hair yes oh, man that's what that. you call like, crackling yeah till you need to listen man you ain't been living listen, you been man. up there in New York City up there eating them rats them street rats I don't eat no rats we eat Chinese food it ain't, it ain't that's exactly what you was eating no, well, I, I like uh, breaking news. I had an uncle who went hunting he bought back rabbit which I love squirrel which I love you probably don't even like chitlins. Hell no. Man, let me tell you something. You, you, this is the last episode I'm going to do with him. Come on, you man. Embarrassing you, you don't me like in no chitlins, man. Couple. I've never had a chitlin a day in my life. No ham hock, no never neck had bones. A ham, I'm telling you, I don't eat nothing that start with a pea. Nothing from a pig. I'm, P- nah. First, until you had some pig ears and pig feet. Why? Because they're good. I ain't trying to hear what a pig talks about. Pig ears. I'm telling you, pig ears and pig feet. There's a restaurant that I go to. They got the pig head. It ain't in this red mon vodka. No, no, no. I'm oh, telling you, this pig head. I'm telling you, man. The the tongue. First of all, you pull the tongue out, and it's about this long and about this thick. Chuck, come on. It's like butter. And then the eyeballs. You stick the fork in this the. What you saying? I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you. Ain't never did eyeballs. I, I'm wait, telling you. Wait. You you stick the fork in those eyeballs, pull it out. It's just crunchy goodness. Mm. Mm, mm, it, it, mm. I'm telling you, and the, and the, I'm telling you, and the, and the and the snout. I'm getting hot right now because it's too much. Because like, you want some, nah, that's why. That's, it's just it's not a snout doesn't start with a P two times. It's not appetizing at all to me, but we way off right now. But I mean, I, you know, it's it's um if 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 Auburn beats Ole Miss, I'm not going to no restaurant that you're talking about that. First of all, one thing about Auburn, we, we don't do we that. don't go to restaurants, brother. Which we I cook do. it for you at home. Uh, no, brother, we don't. We tailgate. No, we gonna tell you. Yeah. I ain't never been to the Grove though. Uh, I have never been to the Grove. I'm telling you, it's I, like I, no other. Y'all will never go back to Auburn if y'all come I, to the Grove. I, I, I will admit, I've heard great things about the Grove, but yeah, I'm gonna yeah. tell you something. Auburn, our tailgate, it was so crazy when I went there because 
those people start showing up on Wednesday. Yeah. So you so you go to class Wednesday. You come back to class. There's probably five to ten RVs out there after uh, before practice. Mm-hmm. You come out after practice. It's probably twenty. You wake up on Thursday. There's probably forty. You come back. It's fifty. But before you see it, there's there's RVs as far as you can see. Mm. I mean, that's why we get 99,000. I mean, it's so crazy. Yeah. And everybody is cooking. Yeah. And they're like, hey, come over. Come over after practice. Uh, and like, man, it's, it's, it's such a wonderful thing. Yeah. But I have heard great stuff about the Grove. Yeah. I'm going to treat y'all right when y'all come down there. You know what I'm saying? We'll set y'all up and everything. Make sure y'all good. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe we can... Hope if it's good enough, then Chuck may take it back to his podcast with him and Ernie. Facts. I like the podcast too, yeah, by the way, yeah, with you dope. and Ernie. Man. Yeah, you know, I, I will admit uh, the steam room, right? Yeah, the steam mm-hmm. room with me and mm-hmm. Ernie Johnson. And so, you know, when we first started it, I was like, "Nah, I'm not doing this shit." I, I was like, "Nah." Uh, so and I said, "You know what? I'll be a good soldier." Cause we started during the pandemic, yeah. and I says, "Yeah, you know what? These people have been paying me. I should, you know, you should. You got to always be a team player." I said, "I tell you what, guys. Since y'all been paying us during the pandemic, I know y'all need to make money. Blah blah blah. I may do it. And man, this is our third year, yeah. and I tell you, it's been awesome. I mean, I, I was shocked and I was surprised. I mean, people come up and say, "Hey." I I, I, uh, I was doing. Uh, I'm gonna make sure I give you some love on 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 our show tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, behind the mask. Facts. Yep. Uh, so, but I really have enjoyed it. And the cool thing about it, we don't. I think it's important that you talk about stuff like, uh, you know, we had Dr. Fauci on when the pandemic mm-hmm. first hit. I, I I want to have, you know. Like I want to teach black people how to handle money, mm. you know. Because I, 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 one thing we always talk about us is, you know, black people need to learn how to handle money. Because yeah. I remember I used to tell you this uh, when I was in college. You know, they only send you, and, and I'm not hating on Mastercard and Visa, but they send you Mastercard and Visa in college, mm-hmm. and we're like, man. So we start buying all this shit, and we like. We're like, yo, man, free money. That's free money. And then you start paying that minimum. It ain't enough. Then I was like, no. I'm like, hey, man, let's buy some more shit. (laughs) And like, we don't know anything about money. Yeah. And you like, we keep buying stuff, paying that minimum. And then when I go to the NBA, uh, my financial guy, like, yo, man, why you got all these bills? I said, oh, man, we were getting over on those (laughs) folks in college. Me and the guys, we were buying stuff and we were paying the minimum. He says, you don't know anything about money, do you? I said, no, I ain't never had no money, fool. <laughs> and he says, okay, we're going to pay off your debt. Hey, you don't do that. We're going to you pay. You can have MasterCard and Visa, but we're going to get you American Express and you're going to pay everything off yeah. at the end of the month. He said, Charles, you're only paying interest. I says, I'm not sure what that means. He says, when you pay the minimum, you're not even attacking what you owe people. He says, let me give you an example. 
he's, I forget what it was. He says, well, that thing was $2,500. You've been paying the minimum. At the rate you're going, you're probably going to end up paying $5,000 for something that costs $2,400. Thanks. And I said, what? He said, you just paying. If they, that's how they trick you. They let you pay the minimum. That's just the interest and that's it. He said, so you're going to end up paying close to triple what you would have paid. And, and that was my first financial lesson. And, and, and to this day, I was like, nah, guys. And I try, and I try to teach my friends, too. I said, guys, do not fall for the pay the minimum and things like that. If you can't afford it, don't get it. But if you got to buy it, pay it off as soon as you can, hopefully at the end of the month or quickly as possible, because when you're paying that minimum, they're getting over on you. Yeah, that's a fact. So, so that's kind of stuff I, I, I want we like I, I want to talk about because I want other people to be successful with me on this journey. Right on. Yeah, that's what it's about, man. Yeah. We had Edger and James on a few episodes ago, and he talked about you know the way that you create the life you want to live. Yeah, you have to be financial aware. Yes. of what you're doing. So totally get that, man. I got. One thing to ask you, though, this is one of my favorite stories. You know, you provide such great color commentary on yeah. inside the NBA. I was surprised to hear. I heard a lot of stories that a lot of people don't know. But the story that surprised me is, you know how we can relate because when we're in the huddle, we on like a 10-play drive yeah. and you want water, your lips chap, you're breathing. I was surprised to hear what you used to do on the court when you felt like you was dehydrated and your lips was dry, they talk, they call you out and said you used to put Vaseline inside of your navel. Yeah, I did. And then, and then you used to, whenever you felt them getting dry, you used to go inside of your navel and put them on your lips. I always keep chapstick with me. Facts. I bet you don't have any right now. Oh, I got yeah, two yeah. of them with me today. I got two. Because I knew that I was going to be on here. <laughs> hey, Spikes, bro. You got to know, bro. That's how big fellas do. Yeah. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. There's nothing worse than a big old dude with big old white <laughs> lips. There's nothing worse than that. Uh, that drive. When you see a big old dude and he got big old white ashy lips. You smile, they crack and bleed. Uh, yeah, I know. I was like, no, man, keep your lips moist. <laughs> keep your lips moist. And I used to keep chapstick, uh, vaseline in my stomach. I fill it up at halftime too, cause you know it kind of uh, some of it moves. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> some of it moves the first half. Yeah. Yeah. No, it just kind of I get you know you're sweating everything, but I refill it at halftime. Man, I listen, man. I got. 18, 20,000 people watching me. I don't want them looking at me like, look at those big ashy lips on Charles Barkley. <laughs> exactly. No, I don't, nobody wants to see that. And that's that's what we call free game. That's it, man. I, I'm not walking around with no big old ashy lips. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen with me. Oh, man. You know what? <laughs> I feel you. I, I, I keep mine on me. You oh, know what you got to. Sometimes, though, the webs in my hands, this, this free game, too. Yeah. Sometimes the webs in my hands you know, might get ashy, so I use the the chapstick for the webs of my hands too. Now that's that's well, next level. You know, I I um, it's so funny. I I, I notice now that I got to start using lotion. Yeah. Because my I guess I guess I'm getting older. 
And and like I used to never I I used to, this is my lotion extent. I put some in and rub it around, get my hands done like that, and I'm good. But now I realize like yo man, your legs are ashy, your back is dry. <laughs> I mean, I getting old ain't no joke. <laughs> like cause like you know I go every week to get a mani pedi. I hope y'all notice that. I, I got to make sure that the <laughs> yeah. shine is on. But uh, you got to go get that mani pedi too. Take care of yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah you got to get that mani pedi because I, I think that. What we've done to our body is not normal. Yeah, yeah. So you got anything you can do to help, you got to do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I already got two new hips. And like I say, I've lost uh, 52 pounds. I got to lose another 40. Because the last few years, I got really fat and out of shape. I um, got two new hips. That's part of the excuse, but I just was getting lazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I decided about six months ago, to start fasting. I only eat one time a day and it's been amazing. Like I was starving like the first week and a half. I was starving like hell. But after that, and I started noticing the weight loss, I was like, man, this is going good. Yeah. So I've lost 52 pounds so far. Congrats, man. And I can say I want to lose, I can't get back down to 250, but my goal is to get down to 270, Somewhere in there, because I played at 250, mm-hmm. uh, and my doctor he said, "Yo, man, you better get your fat ass in shape." He says, "You see a lot of fat young people. You don't see no fat old people." <laughs> he, I says, like, "You're right, doc. You're true. right, doc. Yeah. I'm gonna get it together. I'm gonna get it together." So I started the fasting thing, and man, it's been a, a, a lifesaver. Yeah. Like I say, I'm actually, I feel better than I have in probably 20 years, mm-hmm. and I'm back to playing golf every day. And and that to me that is so much fun. Yeah. I mean, it's so it's it's so interesting about uh, our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, growing up in Alabama, I was like, golf got to be the stupidest thing in the world. Man, what the hell are you talking? Yeah, about? and now I am so addicted to golf. I, I, there's no person in the world watch more golf channel than me, mm-hmm. and I watch every golf tournament. I play, especially during the summer, I play every single day. Mm. It's so much fun being out there. And you out there with three guys talking so much trash. And and, and one good thing about, like, I got friends who play football, baseball, and everything. And there's always this great debate. Who's the best? Mm -hmm. Who's the best athlete? Yeah. And it's so much fun when they win, they get bragging rights. When I win, I get bragging rights. But it's just, man, it's, and I actually love walking. Mm-hmm. Just being out there on a beautiful day with three of your boys, smoking some cigars, man, you can't beat it. Yeah. I can't I can't golf. Tequila's try. He's giving me his starter kit at golf clubs, and I have them, and I wind up lending them to my boy real quick. He said, as soon as you lend them away, that means you ain't really serious yeah. about it. You know what I mean? But I will get them back, promise. But with that, who is the better golfer between you and Spice? Because he says he's serious now. Well, we've never played. Mm. but with, with each other. Yes. Okay. okay. I'm balling right now. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. But you in the ni- high 90s now? Brother, I'm getting ready to break 80. Ooh. I'm getting ready to break 80. Oh, I did that last year, pandemic. Ooh. 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> was no pressure on you. Well, you I was in a bubble. Pressure. Okay. You okay. was in a bubble playing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even yeah. play. What you talking about? Yeah. You know, I've been to hell and back with my golf game. I mean, I I used to be a really good player, and I just lost it for twenty years. And I met a new teacher named Stan Udley, who changed my life. And for some reason, we just clicked. And now I have a game plan. I know what I'm trying to do. I got to do more with my short game because I spent so much time working on my big game, on my long game. I totally neglected my short game. And he gave me a great lesson, trying to get that club head back to the ball first. Get that club head back to the ball first on your chipping. And uh, this summer, I expect to make great – I expect – no, no. I'm going to be in the single digits by the end of this summer. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm going to be in single digits. Well, you know what? I'm Here's the single that. digits. To me and you. To me and you. There it is. It's only one way to solve this thing, too. There it is. Well, that means we got to tee it up. We, I got nothing but air and opportunity. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Man, I get, let me go ahead and book out then. Yeah. Listen, before we let you get out of here, man, one one last question. I know of for me, um, I left the game after 10 years in the league, and I just didn't get any more calls. You know, I, people didn't want my services anymore. It is what it is. Tequil, unfortunately, after 15 years, um, his last game, he was ejected. I know after your career, your last season, ended with injuries and you said I'm done if you had anything else to do different or you wanted to rewrite another ending to your career what would that be well number one anytime you play double digit years that's an amazing career you know people don't understand the average career in pro sports is like four years if you make it double digit years you like you won the lottery I mean you won the lottery you know the only thing that sucks for me I was already going to retire. I got hurt, but I had already announced because my body was fading fast. Man, I, I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, you think about how lucky we are. I mean, we're you're one of the best ever if you make it to pro sports. Mm-hmm. And if you're able to play double-digit years, you're like... Because for most players, like when I'm doing March Madness... I know for 99.9% of those players, that's the last time they're going to play. Yeah. That's the last time they're going to play. And if you're able to get to the NBA or the NFL or even Major League Baseball, I mean, because think about it. Y'all sport got 53 players. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think baseball got 25. We got 12. Like, if you're able to get in that little group and you're able to play double-digit years, which all three of us did, man, we're the three of the luckiest dudes in the world. That's I right. mean, we're three of the luckiest dudes in the world. The only thing that suck is we can't still keep playing because yeah. ain't nothing like it. Yeah. I tell people, there's nothing in my life, and, that's, and, that, and that doesn't mean you family and friends or whatever, Ain't nothing like getting ready for a big game. That's fact. Ain't nothing like getting ready for a big game. Nothing like it. Nothing like it. I mean, 
I tell people, I says, I can't even explain it to you, because unless you played in a big game, like, ain't nothing like it. Period. Period. Well, Chuck, man, we appreciate you stopping oh, man, by the it's lounge, my, it's man. It's my pleasure, man. Taking a, a little time. Hey, listen, man, I want to tell both of y'all continued success. I think it's great that y'all doing the podcast. Uh, anytime, hey, I'd be happy to come back again. Absolutely. Maybe we'll do that after I, after I kind of chop you up out there on the course, you know? Yeah, we can do it from the course. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> there it is. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you, my Anytime, brother. my brother. Anytime. Behind the mask. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.